what since the second half really how much they've really struggled charged with finding some stability from this scrum and he can't find it that's a mighty shot a mighty Mark Lester the scrum battle resumes now and a big shot from Brazil oh that's sensational Welcome back to the next episode of the journey of a grassroots rugby coach. And today's episode is brought to you by Showcase Beer Cafe at Shop 6113 Landsborough Ave, Scarborough in Queensland. They are open from Wednesday to Friday, 5pm till late, Saturdays and Sundays, midday till late. They have a selection of nine different independent craft beers on tap, basic spirits and a small selection of wine. They have a fully functioning kitchen which does pizzas, nachos, four styles of chicken wings, and much, much more. And Sunday afternoons, they have an acoustic session. So if you're in the area, pop in, have a beer, look out over the ocean, enjoy the warm, friendly atmosphere, and enjoy their pizzas. I can tell you firsthand, they are absolutely delicious. So I'd like to thank them for their support. So if you're in the area, show them some support, show them some love. Welcome back to the next episode of The Journey of a Grassroots Rugby Coach. And today, my guest is Paul Healy. Paul has been an international rugby coach for over 25 years, but he's currently the manager of Pathways and Coach Education with the Northern Territory Rugby Union. He started coaching in his 30s after an injury, and he actually got into sport through sports medicine and met up with coaches around that way. In 2002... He scored a gig with John Conley at Stade Francais, and that was the beginning of a great journey that he's been on. What we talk about today is having being a young coach and in a different language and a different culture. Also, what doesn't hurt, what doesn't kill us makes us stronger. As coaches, we should remember that. Looking at other sports for development, his experience of coaching at the Rugby World Cup in, in Australia for, with Uruguay, and what do we do to improve the game? Sometimes you just got to trust your gut and his thoughts on errors at training and reflecting on when things don't work out the way you want them to do. This is a really, had a really good chat with Paul. Uh, he's had a really fascinating and interesting uh, journey as a coach. He's always so generous with his time. Um, so feel free to reach out to him if you're in the NT or you want to have a run in the NT in the, the off season for Brisbane, Sydney and Melbourne. Get in contact with Paul. He can put you in contact with clubs that are always on the lookout for players. As always, feel free to pass this on to any coaches or players you find will benefit from it. Give us a like, subscribe, leave a comment, do all that stuff on the socials. Helps us get our ratings up. Helps us keep going doing what we're doing. But most of all, sit back, relax, and enjoy this chat with Paul Healy. I think, you know, as a young coach, mate, you've got to, you got to aspire to be that coach, yeah. you know, like the Eddie Joneses of the world and, the you know, the Rod McQueens back in my day and, and even, you know, all the, the, the Wallaby coach and the New Zealand coach and you had Steve Hansen. Look, mm -hmm. you know, I think you aspire as a young coach to say, well, I'd like to be able to do that. Yeah. But then you, then you get to a point where you say, well, I'm not going to reach those heights, but I can still be a good coach. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you, you are flexible and, and you're realistic to say, well, okay. And I want to do it my way. Like I'll get to a point where 
you can get all those ideas and bring them all in. But at the end of the day, you want to try and coach how you want to coach. And there's where the learnings are. Like if you're coaching that way and it works, happy days. But if yeah. it's not, then you've got to go and readjust and think about different things and look at how you want to coach better or what you want to do to be better and what I can be a better communicator or I can be a better, you know, in technical, technical or whatever it might be. But it's definitely, it's definitely a journey that, you know, if you really wanted to take that journey as a young coach going through now, there's a lot of opportunities. And, you know, as you said, mate, there's a lot of ups and downs, but for me personally, the ups have far wide the downs, you know, and. Oh, absolutely. Let's make a start, Paul. So thanks for being with me, Paul. Um, so just for the listeners who may not know who you are, just um, in a nutshell, who, who are you, where are you, and what's your involvement in the grassroots game? Thanks for having me, mate. It's, uh, it's a pleasure. We finally get to catch up after uh, trying to get, you know, with COVID and all that sort of stuff and me being overseas and you, you've been pretty busy with what you're doing. So, yeah, uh, it's, my name's Paul Healy and I've been an international domestic rugby union coach for, I don't know, probably 25 years now. And uh, I've been lucky and travelled around the world and uh, coached a few national, in a few national structures and things like that. Um, yeah, but back about 10 or 12 years ago, I had a stint um, in the Northern Territory with the Institute of Sport up up there in Darwin and uh, worked with a lot of uh, younger athletes and a lot of uh, program planning programs and things like that and trying to move the rugby forward. And, and now sort of it's turned to full circle, really. I'm back here in the Northern Territory with another hat on, working for the Northern Territory Rugby Union and I'm managing the pathways and participation uh, up here and, and and sort of looking after coaches and their pathways through and mentoring those guys and also assisting around with the rep programs and also player pathways and participation. So, yeah, mate, it's uh, definitely back to the grassroots, that's for sure. Yeah, and as we spoke just before we started recording it, uh, the NT, I, I was up there for a few years myself, so I know the atmosphere up there. Um, but there's some good people up there. There's some really good rugby people up there. So, yeah, um, yeah hope, hopefully you can get some good good buy-in from the guys up there and, and get some good stuff happening. So, <coughs> um, so what got you into coaching in the first place, Paul? Oh, mate, I just um, – I, I finished playing. I, I played at Brothers for a long time, Brothers in Brisbane, and also played rugby league and um, – Sort of when I was about 30, I started having problems with my lower back and hamstrings and things like that. And I always said to myself, when I can't get out of bed and go and enjoy firstly playing and then secondly training, um, I'll give it away. So I decided to give it away and I got in then to some sports medicine stuff. So I got my level two at the Queensland Uni in my sports trainers course and thought, well, I want to stay involved in rugby. And um, then I just... Yeah, worked down at Brothers in the lower grades and did my did my um, time doing some strapping and some sports injury management and things like that. And then I thought, well, this is a little bit tough. <laughs> it's like you've got to really work hard and, you know, you really take your hat off to the volunteers and those sort of people within the clubs really uh, gave me a different um, perspective on what they do and, and where they fit into the whole, the whole setup of a club and, you know... I've sort of got a lot, a lot of respect 
especially when I started in my coaching career. So, yeah, so I just um, went and did my level one and my level two and decided, well, okay, I'm going to have a crack at coaching here and see how I go. And um, I started doing an under 14 team and then I just sort of moved my way up. And um, John Connolly was a great mate of mine. Well, John was a coach of mine and um, he was a bit of a mentor coach for me. Then I started think, well, okay, I um, think, think I've got a bit of a knack for this and I'd like to give myself a have a crack and just work my way through the grades. So I, I stayed at Brothers because it was obviously it was familiar to me and, um, you know, I knew the surroundings and knew the people around me and sort of the players because I'd just, I'd only finished playing a few years before. So, yeah, just started off in the lower grades, Andrew, and just, you know, um, third grade, fourth grade. And then I thought, oh, okay, I'll just move up here and then, Started coaching a bit of A grade, assistant coach of Premier grade, and with a couple of older ex brothers players. And then I got invited to do my level three back in the day, and that's a fair while ago now. That was about 1996, 97. And I got to do it with some really good guys, like we were talking before about Eddie Jones and, and Mark McBain and a few of these guys. So um, they were sort of on their way up as well. So I just thought, well, okay, I'll, 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 um, I'll work through this and I'll finish my level three. and Warren Rebilliard was back. He was running the whole show then and it was really good. I really enjoyed it. And I thought, well, okay, this is really what I want to try and achieve. So I um, had a chat with John and sort of worked with him for a fair bit when I was, um, cause he was doing the Reds at that stage. And then um, he, uh, he uh, got moved on from the Reds and I was coaching first grade there back in yeah, 99, 2000. And he said, mate, you're doing a good job. How would you like to uh, come to come to uh, Stade Francais and be my assistant coach? And mate, as a young coach, trying to <laughs> trying to break into the, trying to break into the world of coaching, it was a fantastic opportunity for me. And obviously, you know, I was a, I was a um, was able to do it because I was a single man and didn't have a family at, the, at that stage and didn't have many ties. And John, I guess, was sort of as I said, he was mentoring me a bit and obviously wanted someone around that was going to work hard and, and grab the opportunity in two hands. So sort of that's where it all started back in 2000 at Stade Francais, mate. And um, I've just sort of ridden the wave and the ups and downs since then and find myself now back in the Northern Territory. Yeah, that's a, that's a journey from Stade Francais back to, back to the NT, mate. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I, I, I played rugby up here. That's how I got that. I got the um, got the connection with John because we actually played up here for Casarina Cougars. Played up here together, and because they back to we're we're in our off season now, whereas as the other states are playing their season, so they've gone back to to the wet season rugby. So it's not a bad opportunity, mate, because I think if you want to sort of play rugby after you have a season in Brisbane, for example, then you've got the opportunity to come up here play some decent footy, get a job, make a bit of money, get fit, and then go back and hit the ground running for the pre-season or the seasons back in Brisbane. So that's where we ended up, and, and it was great. It was a great experience for me. I had a sort of had a bad, as I said, I had a bad injury there for a while and came up and played here and um, really enjoyed it. So, uh, yeah, sort of, as I said to you before, I think it's sort of done full turn now. Yeah. No, that's, that's, a, that's a hell of a journey, mate, and... I, I believe there's been a few stops along the way, all, all around all around the world. So yeah, um, there's, there's definitely been a few stops along the way, mate. Yeah. Um, no, that's that's 
that's pretty cool. Um, and like you said, yeah, just you know, some some people get that good break. You know, like you said, you you know, John Conley, yeah. If he said, "Yeah, I want you to come and do this," you'd go. Yeah, as a young, yeah. he said, as a young coach, you go. Oh, mate, as a young yeah. coach, I was just so lucky. <clears throat> I was just the right place at the right time. But obviously, I'd done the you know done my due diligence and was working hard towards not yeah. something like that first up, but something similar. And you know, like it was just another another uh, a country where you had to learn, try and learn the language, a different culture. Um, dealing with different players from all over the world, and you know, just living in France was 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 a was fantastic in itself. You know, the the people, and as I said, the culture, and uh, but it was it was hard work, but it was great because I was able to focus on what I needed to do going forward, and took out the good things, and and you know, was able to um, ground myself there for what I wanted to go ahead and do in the future. Yeah, and a couple of coaches I've spoken to that have worked overseas in non-English speaking countries. Um, that's, that's all made them a better coach because they've got a, um, you know, short, sharp, you're working with a translator. Um, so it really gets you on point with your message, with your messaging yeah. to players as well. So it definitely makes you work hard and think about your coaching. mate. Yeah. I think when I first started in France, I sort of got to the point where, well, I, my whistle was my best friend because if you blow a whistle, someone goes or they stop. Yeah. And then just, you know, learning colours and learning different names of different equipment you use. And, yeah, we, you're right. We had, you know, we had English-speaking guys who spoke fluent French and, you know, we coached some fantastic players who played for France and some guys played uh, in for their, for their other countries in South America and different places like that. But, yeah, definitely it sort of brings you right back to your coaching and um, you have to be very specific and you have to know what you're talking about and you have to make sure you get the right message across. So it was a challenge at times, but it was very enjoyable. You know? Yeah. No, that's, that's really good, mate. Um, I've spoken to yeah, coaches and even players that have gone to like Japan and France and those places. And they said, yeah, even just like you said, that culture on top of everything else, just adds adds to the learning and the experience. So um, it's awesome, mate. Just um, so throughout your travels and in this journey that we call coaching, um, what's some of the heart, the disappointments, or the heartbreaks that you have? <coughs> and the reason I ask that is because we've all had them. Um, you know, every coach that's done more than you know, a season has had heartbreaks and disappointments. And I just want to get out to the to the young coaches out there that these things happen to everybody, but it's it's how we bounce back from them and the and the things that we take away from it rather than just throwing the toys out of the cot and walking away. Mm. Um, so we're just trying to get some ex experiences out there that haven't um, been the best at the time, but everyone reflects back on them and go, yep, this was really bad, what happened, or we lost, or whatever. But we took a great deal of learning away from that, and it's made us better people. Yeah, I guess, mate, you just, you know, it's it's um, it's it's tough sometimes because, you you know, you make decisions and you, and you have those setbacks and things, but I think, you know, it's, there's an old saying, if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. And you definitely... You know, as a younger coach going forward, you, you're always, not everything's going to go right. You know, it's just, as you said, it's how you adapt to it. But, you know, if you know 
if you know what you're good at, your strengths are and, and, and your weaknesses, and then focus on your strengths and try and improve those weaknesses, um, then, you know, it's obviously a bit of self-reflection as well. And, you know, I quite often just sit down and, you know, tick the boxes of am I, what am I doing well and what am I not doing well? And if I need to reach out to somebody there, I think that's the important part that got me through a lot of stuff is that I was always, I was never, I'm never a coach that thinks I know everything and I'm happy to reach out to someone and, and, and get their advice and, and, and work with them and try to make yourself better. So, yeah, as I said, mate, sometimes you take three steps forward and two steps back and, you know, there's some self-reflection there. Am I doing the right thing? Or, you know, but at the end of the day, you just got to keep strong within yourself and concentrate on the objectives you want to achieve as a coach going forward. And then you'll look back in five years' time and would you handle it differently? Probably, but you got through the other end, you know? Yeah, and that's a good point you made there about, you know, when things get tough, you know, reach out to somebody else that you, you know, that, that you can trust or that, that'll tell you honestly or, you know, that mentor that you've got. Because um, I think as young coaches, I know I, that was not one of my strong points. It was like, oh, if I go and talk to this guy, he's going to think I'm an idiot. But now, you know, the more experience I've got, um, you know, people will go, mate, that, that happened to me and this is what I did or, yeah. you know, or speak to someone. You know what? Like coaches are really giving you their time and, and all, someone's always had something similar to you happen. Um, so, yeah, you always, always try and reach out to someone and get, get that experience and talk to someone and, you know, it's, it's not the end of the world. Um, no. Nah. You know, people have made poor decisions coaching wise in big games and you know it's it, okay it hurts but it's it's not the end of the world you know yeah no it's not mate and, <laughs> and i'll just give you one example that in 2002 when i was at stat i'll go back to there because yeah. this is one that stood out for me for a long time is we made the final at the heineken cup that's it used to be the heineken cup way back then and um you know, we played uh, Leicester Tigers at, at uh, the stadium in Stade de France, which is the old soccer stadium. There was 50,000 people there and we were winning the game. And um, we made a couple of decisions. Like we, we had a little bit of a, a setback and then we made a decision, okay, at this time of the game, we'll, we'll replace a certain player. And, and I sort of said to John, well, I don't know if we should, the way the game's going. He goes, oh, yeah, okay. And then we sort of mucked around with it. And, you know, spur of the moment decision, we put a guy on. And, of course, Leicester went through that that channel and they scored a try. And, um, you know, we were down, it was 24-20. And, you know, then we fought back and this, this guy uh, kicked the goal from the side, penalty, uh, kicked it the conversion from the sideline to put them 24-20 in front. So we worked our way back down and we got a penalty in front of the post and, you know, we couldn't take the penalty because it would, we wouldn't have won the game. Anyway, made a tap, bang, bang, we made a mistake, game over. So that's those sort of things there. So, look, you're going to make mistakes. There's no doubt. You know, no one's perfect. We're all human. But as you said, it's how you recover from those mistakes. For me, that was a massive learning curve as a young coach to say, well, I think sometimes you've got to trust your gut and not necessarily how you've planned things out. And, and as I said, I've learned a lot from that along the way and, and not a lot of decisions, but decisions that I sit down and 
you know, think about and maybe have a nice glass of red and then pull my hair out. And then I just sort of wake up the next morning and say, well, no, I've got to go with my gut. And you learn to live or die by those decisions as well. So it's just yeah. an interesting, uh, <clears throat> interesting cycle, you know? Yeah, it is. And oh, I had a discussion with a guy the other day. And even if you look back and you go, would you make the same decision again? And you go, I don't know, maybe. I might have. I might, I might make, you know, yeah. if you could move that game to tomorrow and the same thing happened, do I make the same replacement? Yeah. Maybe. I don't, I don't yeah. know. And, and, and like you said, sometimes you've got to go with your gut because you lose a player in the first five minutes or, you know, the, the game they've come with a different game plan and you thought they were going to play and yeah, yeah. All, you can't, we can't, we can't get stuck in that. Oh, at this time we're going to change this guy for that guy. Well, that works 90% of the time, but, but sometimes it doesn't. Um, yeah. I think as a younger coach, you know, once I learned those lessons and a lot of the younger coaches out there now will learn a lesson in a different way. Yeah. But it's a similar result, similar way you feel, you know, like, and what I think, as you get better as a coach uh, I, and, and you reach out to people and, and you, you know, you know, you're doing the right thing. I think the worst thing is then you second guess yourself and then you yeah. go, well, my head's already spinning. Then you're second guessing yourself and, you know, then you sit down with your mentor coach and, and you talk to people that you trust. And you, you know, I think as I've gone on, the less I've second guessed myself, but the more I've, I've worked, to the gut feeling of, okay, well, this guy, he's not training well, or he's not doing this and not doing that, but can he win us a game and, and in the right situation, is he the right person to put on at that time? Yeah. Then, you know, I think it's, I think you, you work it out yourself eventually. Yeah. Yeah. And we make plenty of mistakes. Like I said, we make plenty of mistakes along the way. Yeah. Oh, look, that's it, mate. You're going to make mistakes, as I said, you know, but yeah. as long as you're having a crack and you're learning from those experiences, then, you know, that, that's how it is. And that's what I say to these young kids up here. I said, you know, you've got to work hard and you've got to do the, you know, you've got to do the off-field stuff and the, and the micro skills and all that. But I said, I don't mind if you make a mistake at training if you're doing it at 100%. But if you're not doing something at 100% and you're still making mistakes, well, then you've got to go away and, and have a serious think about where you want to be and what you want to do, you know? Yeah, and that's a, that's a good point around the errors. Um... Do you have a, and this has changed dramatically for me over the years, um, do you have a built-in error factor? Indeed. So if you're running a, a catch pass drill, as an example, do you go, I expect them to drop the ball, you know, X amount of times because if they don't, it's too easy. Mm. And if they do, um, if they do more than that, well, then it's, it may be too difficult for them. Um, yeah. Do you have a do you have a sort of set um, rule of thumb for that, or does it depend on what the what the drill is? Well, I think it. I think if you have a set, it just depends where you're at in your coaching too, mate. You know, like, yeah. um, and who you're coaching. I mean, obviously, yeah. If you're at a different level, then you expect these guys for where they're at and what they're doing, and, and if they're doing everything that they should be, then the, the error factor is is minimal. Yeah. As I said, you are going to make mistakes, especially if you're doing it 100, uh, you know, 100 percent. But then you've got to go back and you've got to drill back and to say, well, you know, you've got a team of under 14 boys, for example, up here that haven't been, 
you know, haven't had the exposure to rugby like a lot of other people, say an under 14 team in Brisbane, mm. then there is going to be room for, well, it, it's not, it, you've got to set standards and you can't say, well, no, this drill's too hard. You, you, you know, we'll try and, we'll try and do something different. I think you've just got to make sure that they're, they're doing, a, doing all the, all the um, micro stuff that you want them to do. And yeah. then, just adjust and be flexible in that drill. But I, I just don't know if you've got to drop your standards as a coach. I mean, you've got to drop your expectations depending who your audience is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's... And I think, too, when... Um, yeah, like you said, because I coached a couple of different teams down here and it just depends on the level of the team as to yeah. what, what I expect. Like you said, what I expect from them. Um, and some some days I'll say to the guys, today's a, a learning day, so you know we're going to make mistakes, we're going to have errors, yeah. but then Thursday it's clinical and we're executing. Yeah. So that just gives them that different, you know. So we're gonna we've got five minutes, and if we get this this whatever this set move or whatever we want to do, we get it in. If we can get two in in five minutes, we're done. Yeah. But if we don't get it in five minutes, we're done. And yeah. because we've done all the learnings and we've 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 had the errors and we've corrected that. Yeah. So that's it's some way back when I first started coaching, mate, I was like, you drop the ball, we're doing push-ups and all you know, all that, <laughs> all that stuff we used to do when we well, played. That, that still happens sometimes, oh, you know, mate. mate I, I, know, I, saw, but... I saw it. <coughs> I have seen it and you just you just cringe. Um but uh yeah, thankfully that's changed and that robotic learning has has gone out of a lot of coaching but like you said it is still there in some yeah. in some places i guess you've got to pick your mark haven't you i mean yeah it depends what your audience <clears throat> is and and you know do you want to be yelling and well, not yelling and screaming but getting frustrated because they're doing x y and z or do you you know do it the old way where you sit you're right and you know until we get it right we're not moving on to another drill or another another part of our training mm. it's you, I guess as a coach, you make those calls and, and that's a little bit of a gut feeling, but a little bit of experience at the same time. And I always reflect, mate, and just say, well, back when I was playing, I really hated a coach did that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's like, yeah, yeah. I really don't like that bloke, but, you know, then, you know, you're doing something in a game and you knew you did it at training and you had to really work hard on it. You did something in game that was really good and, and they go, oh, you know, I was in, oh, that coach, he, he, he knew what he was talking about. Yeah, and I think we look to, like I, the way I coach, I look at coaches that I had and I just go, I never want to be like that coach. <laughs> and I model myself on not being those rather than looking at guys and going, I want to do what these guys, I'm looking at the guys, like you said, that you just went, oh, I don't even like going to train and all that. Yeah, and try and stay as far away from that end of it as possible. So Yeah, I think, you know, as a young coach, mate, you got to you got to aspire to be that coach. Yeah. You know, like the Eddie Joneses of the world and the, you know, the Rod McQueen's back in my day and and even, you know, all the the, the Wallaby coach and the New Zealand coach and you had Steve Hansen. Look, mm -hmm. you know, I think you aspire as a young coach to say, well, I'd like to be able to do that. Yeah. But then you then you get to a point where you say, well, I'm not going to reach those heights, but I can still be a good coach. Yeah, yeah. So you, you, you are flexible and, and you're realistic to say, well, okay, and I want to do it my way. Like I'll get to a point where you can get all those ideas and bring them all in 
But at the end of the day, you want to try and coach how you want to coach. And there's where the learnings are. Like if you're coaching that way and it works, happy days. But if yeah. it's not, then you've got to go and readjust and think about different things and look at how you want to coach better or what you want to do to be better and what I can be a better communicator or I can be a better, you know, in technical, technical or whatever it might be. But it's definitely, it's definitely a journey that, you know, if you really wanted to take that journey as a young coach going through now, there's a lot of opportunities. And, you know, as you said, mate, there's a lot of ups and downs, but for me personally, the ups have far away the downs, you know, and oh, absolutely. that's only because of persistence and, you know, wanted to get where I wanted to go and, and doing the work that I, that I did have done and am doing to, to, to achieve that, you know? Yeah. And like you said, yeah, the, the ups always, the, the downs hurt more and they last longer. Um, but some of the ups are really good as well, you know? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So many times, you know, over those 20 odd years that, you know, I've been in between contracts and overseas and didn't have a great experience and came back home and actually went and worked on the wharf or, and did a bit of club training and stuff like yeah. that. And um, then you reflect on yourself and go, well, I'm just going to keep going here because this is not probably where I want to be. Yeah. And if I get the opportunity to do <laughs> what I love again, then I'm going to make those changes and I'm going to adjust and, be a better coach, and that'll open up some uh, open up some more doors along the way, you know. So, so the, as I said, yeah, there's some definitely been some dark rooms here, mate. Yeah. Um, when and because I know you've travelled around the world a fair bit, so you've been in and out of contracts, and some just run their natural course. Some, you know, like a lot of coaches, some some we don't we don't uh, fit what they need or you know, there's all this stuff that goes on. When when you're in between a contract, like you said, you go back, you might go back to Brizzy and work on the wharf or whatever it is that you do. When you reflect on that, um, what sort of process do you look do you go through when you know you've finished you've you've finished a contract with one, but you're looking for another? Do you do you reflect on the good things that have come out of it and um, try and do that better? Or do you look at some of the, the growth that you could, if that's, if that's making sense, what I'm trying to like, yeah, yeah, reflect yeah. on, because a lot, a lot of coaches are, that's, that's a worry for them. Like, oh, if I, and I think we get caught in that. We've got to win. We've got to win. We've got to win because that way I'm going to stay where I am. or I'm going to get my next job, but it doesn't work like that. Um, and then like you said, coach, plenty of good coaches have been sacked. For, oh, yeah. for for a number of, for a number of reasons, you know, yeah. like um, you know, and I've left clubs for you know different types of reasons and stuff like that. So it's just interesting to hear how when that happens, the coaches how they reflect on what has happened and how they move forward from it. Yeah, well, what's that, that old saying is there's two types of coaches: those that have been sacked and those that are waiting to be sacked. <laughs> and, you yeah. know, it's a as I said, it's it's a you know. Being in that environment, there's no, for me, and I've, you know, been in the business world as well and I've dug ditches and I've worked in, you know, work for companies and stuff like that. So, but there's no better, no better, how, how would I say it? Um, not a thrill, but no better environment to be in when you're in that environment and when you get out of it, like you said, with whatever's happened, you know, you, you've 
your contract's finished or you've moved on or, or you know, this club didn't have any money or whatever you might yep. be and you've gone back to do whatever you need to do. I guess it's like grieving the death of a family member, really. You go through that process of grieving and then why me and what am I going to do? And then you just, you know, as I said, I, I use people that I trust and they just said, well, mate, you got to just get back on your bike. And, and as I said, Andrew, like, I think it's second guessing yourself. Like yeah. there's a lot of anomalies there as a coach, you know, great coaches get, get, moved on or things happen you know and yeah absolutely and, and and what i've learned is is as a coach especially at a, at a higher level is that you're only really as good as the players you've got mm. so if they're not performing and and the team's not performing then the first person to go is the coach it's never yeah. the players yeah so you move on from that and you know you just you never i don't second guess myself i never have i said i know that i'm you know reasonably good at what i do and i've done what i've done for a long time and you just, you know, you move on and you try to improve in different areas and you, you know, you sit down and have a good long think and then you just said, oh, okay, well, I'm going to move on. This is what I want to keep doing. And you just reach out and try and, you know, do a bit of coaching here and a bit of coaching there. And I guess I was lucky, you know, I've had an agent for a long time and he's always been pretty, um, pretty helpful. So yeah. um, I've been able to get, different sorts of jobs, even though it might be, you know, three or four months in between. But, um, yeah, look, I just guess, you know, younger coaches out there, you're going to have setbacks like we spoke about before. But it's, you know, it's not how many times you've been knocked down. It's how many times you get up. And if you really want to do something, then that's where you're going to end up. Yeah. Until it comes a day when you say, well, you know, this is not what I want anymore. I don't enjoy it. For this reason, for this reason, this reason, I'd rather go and work in a factory or drive a truck or, you know, yeah. go back and give something back, you know, to 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 the footy club or whatever you might be. But, you know, and that's the that's the realization that you have to accept. You know, that's it's like a player retiring, really. You know, it's like, well, you know, I don't really want to retire, but I have to be realistic. And I'm getting older, I'm getting injured, or coaches are the same. Yeah. They work in a different in a different spectrum. Yeah, no, that's some that's some good insight there, mate. I like I like the point that you made there of when you stop enjoying it, you know, because oh, yeah. it's a job. You know, it doesn't matter what they pay if you're not enjoying it. It's uh, it's it's no fun at all. No, um, it's not, mate. You know, and it's the same for <laughs> players. Yeah, you know, like yeah, the, the, I, I always say to my players, no matter if we're winning or losing, I said, you just got to enjoy this. Otherwise, we're in it for the wrong reasons. Yeah. You know, especially grassroots, mate. Like, it, it's really tough, you know, the parents and the volunteers, as we spoke about before off air, and, you know, just that whole club environment, you know, why do you think they get up at, get, you know, drop their kids off at 6 o'clock at night and pick them up at 8 o'clock? Or we've been training with the under-14s and under-16s here and their parents live, you know, 30 kilometres away and they're driving into town to train at 8.30 on a Sunday morning. You know, this is the... Yeah. When I was in Chile, we had... Um, I was in charge of the Sevens program and we had a really good group of boys, well, the boys, men, We, you know, and we did really well, but we had guys... And this is the sacrifices that some players make and coaches have to do the same, is we had guys driving in from outside of Santiago, you know, two and a half, three hours, three times, four times a week. And then we'd train till 10 o'clock at night. And then 
you know, we give them something to eat and then and they and they go home and they do it all again two days later. And then, you know, because they could see there was some light at the end of the tunnel and, and obviously as coaches and as, as an organisation, they were getting some benefit. They were travelling around and we had some pretty good results. You know, another example is 2003 World Cup when I was with Uruguay, I lived in Montevideo for eight months. So we would meet in the middle of town some guys would drive, but we'd meet in the middle of the town and the, and the Uruguayan Rugby Union would organise a bus. So I lived in town and I travelled on the bus. We travelled 26 kilometres outside of the city along dirt roads and all that to, to get to the Uruguayan National Training Centre, which was basically, as we know, what club footy is. There's a, mm. there's a little bit of a club rooms and a little grandstand and a field with grass on it. And, mate, we, we, we trained there you know, three nights a week. And because we only got on three nights a week, we would train till, you know, 10, 10.30 at night. We'd all get on the bus, go back into town, and they all went to work at 8 o'clock the next morning, you know. So, uh, you know, that's sort of where you want to be to get, you know, to, and this is what I'm saying, they wouldn't have done it if they didn't enjoy it. Yeah, and you wouldn't have done it if you weren't enjoying it. Oh, either. no, mate. I, you know, and I did that for the experience. It was, yeah. Know, I mean... I was a young coach and got the opportunity to be a, a coaching coordinator at a Rugby World Cup in Australia. Like, uh, I just, yeah, that was one of the, you know, one of the things that I really enjoyed and, and got out of that, you know, just that enjoyment, that, that camaraderie, that bit like club footy, you know, every, you're going every week and you're seeing the same, you're having a drink with them after the game and having a barbecue and, you know, that's 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 where it sort of ends up. Yeah, uh, yeah. And how, so, how did you find that that program with Uruguay? As like you you look at the, I suppose it's the haves and the haves not have nots. You know, you got the, like you said, you got these guys three nights a week. <laughs> They're all working jobs, and then you know you come up against you know England, New Zealand. These yeah. guys that basically they train, they go home, they train, they go home. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. How did you find we, um, yeah, like we, and there was only like, there's only 350 rugby players to choose from in Uruguay. That was way back then. Obviously, yeah, they yeah. had some success along the way and they've improved with some high performance. And yeah, so it was just, it took us, we had to go in two groups because we went, um, there wasn't enough room on, we went land Chile and back then it was called Aereo Limges Argentinas. So we took two days to get to, because uh, we were based in Perth. Yep. So it took us two <laughs> days each plane to get to Perth. So we arrived at all different times. And um, but you know, these guys they never whinged, they never complained, and all they wanted was that opportunity. Yeah. And then we go, you know, we, we had Samoa in our pool, South Africa, Georgia, and England. So, you know, we just work towards different things. And as young coaches, this is what you need to be doing, I think. Is just, and this is what I'll be doing with the 14s and 16s working with the coaches, is that you just got to identify what you want to improve on every time. Yeah. So we just worked on, okay, we want to do this well. We've, you know, Uruguayans have always had a good scrum. Other things are a little bit different. So you just wanted to work on different things in each game. And look, you know, we caught 50 from Samoa and 50 from South Africa, but it, it was an enjoyable experience because we really did things well that we wanted to do well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and then we went to um, 
Sydney and played Georgia, and we actually beat Georgia, which back in that day was for those blokes and for that organisation was just a massive, massive, yeah. a massive achievement. And I was just glad to be a part of it. And these are just little things as coaches as you go on, little wins. You know, you might win a club grand final, an under twelve club grand final. You know, that that's the thrill of the thrill of the chase. You know, yeah. it doesn't matter how you do it or where you do it. It's that. I've reached that objective and this is what I wanted to achieve. And and we'll get to your point now about we played England in Brisbane at Suncorp, well, it was Lane Park back then, mm -hmm. and we copped 100 points, 100 points. Yeah. England, England went on to win the, the World Cup that year. Mm -hmm. But the, 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 the English guys were so humble, you know, and these Uruguayan guys were like at the end of the game, they knew the tour was over. There was probably, you know, 10,000 people there. And they just went around the field and took in the experience and yeah. everyone was shaking their hands. And then the English guys actually came into the dressing room, swapped jerseys and, and just, you know, talked to the guys. Cause a lot of the guys spoke English and they were just like, here's this guy they've seen on TV. They played against him. Now he's in the dressing room and he's swapping jerseys and talking to me and, you know, having a chat and having a beer and, and just, you know, that those are the small things that you take away and, no matter how many disappointments you have, they will always far outweigh the disappointments with those little things that happen, you know. And it could happen anywhere, as I said, you know. It doesn't have to be on that international stage or wherever it might be, you know. A grand final, win a grand final for your club or get your team from last to first and still play in the grand final or you've had a great season, you've, you know, you've developed kids and they've gone on to play super rugby and they're the wins, you know, as a coach that, you need to, you know, keep that keeps you going, I reckon. Yeah, like you said, it's those little the little wins. The the big ones are good, but it's the little ones that, that keep you going. Yeah. And sometimes it's even, especially with the junior level, you know, you're working with a kid and working on a skill and all of a sudden he gets it and you just go, Yeah, yeah. That, that's that's the moment of today. Like exactly. That's exactly um, what I'm talking about in a different perspective. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's like, oh, you know. I've been waiting for five years to see that happen, you know, yeah. and, and I guess on the other side of that, mate, is that you get disappointed when you get see kids get to that point and then they just don't go any further. They yeah. just sort of drop the ball and walk away and you just think, okay, well, that's a shame, but, you know, it's a bit like golf. I, you know, there's, there's a couple of hundred kids equally as good that want that opportunity. But, um, you know, it's just, I think with rugby, we're a bit lucky because it's a it's an international sport. So you can go and play, you know, in South America or Germany or wherever it might be. Mm. And you can play rugby at a reasonable level, make a few dollars, get a good life experience and continue on what you want to achieve. Yeah. No, that's a really good point, mate. That's, that, yeah, I know, I know plenty of guys that have done it as players have just gone to, you know, yeah. Not as not as professional players, but have just gone over for a year or two, and you know worked in the local pub or whatever, and played some yeah. footy. And they said yeah. the ex the experience of it was just phenomenal. Yeah, um, yeah. And you know you, you you know we dealt with a couple of those guys through through you and me when I was in the US. And yeah, you know, you know if it didn't work out for them, they still got that experience. And yeah. you know you come back a better person and. Uh, that's what it's all about. It's just, you know, developing that person and developing players and developing people as coaches. And, you know, that's that's the good part about this role now. I've gone back to basically grassroots where mm. I've already identified three or four coaches that 
I really also like working with, and I think they've got a lot to offer given the right pathway. Yeah. And the yeah. tools to tools to get there, you know, and that's part of my job now. And, and I, that's what I really enjoy to give back something that I've learned over the years and a little bit of experience and, and, and see those guys move on, move yeah. further along, you know. If they get out of the territory and go and coach somewhere else, well, that's a win. Yeah. No, that's good. Well, they said sometimes they just need that little bit of guidance. Yeah. You know, they just need someone to, like I, I did, lean, someone to lean on, someone to give them, you know, some different options, different ways to coach, uh, just just little things that, that all add up, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think what's come out of this whole COVID thing and all these, you know, these webinars and all this stuff, is, but it's just, it's just, even for me, it's just opened up my eyes about how generous coaches at like coaches at any level are about, you know, sharing knowledge and, and stuff like that. Because look, there's a lot of coaches out there that you probably wouldn't have reached out to or spoken to, but now because everyone was, you know, locked in and not doing stuff. Yeah. We all want to keep our brains active. So yeah. I don't know, yeah. there was four or five different groups I was in and we'd get together and just talk rugby. And yeah. still to this day, probably 90% of them I've never physically met, but we've spoken, yeah. you know what I mean? We've spoken online yeah. and, you know, we've shared ideas and, and talked about all that type but, of stuff. But that's so. the rugby network, isn't it? That's the Yeah, absolutely. Network. Yeah. You know, you never know. One day you might end up going somewhere and you meet this guy or you meet this girl yeah. or whatever. And, and you go, well we've got a common interest here. Mm. Yeah, well, that's it. And yeah, I've actually met, I was at a conference and I bumped into a guy that I'd been on several Zoom calls with. <laughs> and, you know, we were, oh, oh, yeah, what are you doing here? So, yes, yeah. 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 Uh, but that's that's the, that's <laughs> that's the rugby world, isn't it? You know? Yeah, absolutely. You, you never close a door behind you and, and you just don't know what's going to happen. No, that's exactly right, mate. Exactly right. Um, no, that was awesome, mate. Thanks for that. Um, how do you keep your training sessions enjoyable, um, especially like in that age bracket that you're doing with the kids, like the 12, 12 to 16, even the 18, under 18s? There's plenty of things they could be doing rather than coming to rugby training. Yeah. Um, but like you said, they come because they enjoy it. Um, so what do you do in your sessions that make it enjoyable and make those kids want to, you know, they come there on a, at 8.30 on a Sunday morning. Yeah. Oh, you just, you got to make it enjoyable when they get there. I have a little bit of interaction and I have a couple of drills I do where they, you know, you blow a whistle and they have to group up in certain numbers and yep. that wakes them up. And then you get, you know, you do other drills with the ball in the middle and you do the, just do some little reaction drills with them. And and then, you know, just, just, just try and, as I said to you before, and we agreed, you know, it's just the audience you've got. So, you know, if you need to do more of something, you do. Mm. If you, you know, as, you, as, 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 as players get better, you can then more focus on, on the, the stuff that you really want to achieve. So, look, yeah, keeping, keeping them... One thing I've learned is the concentration levels of those kids are, are really <laughs> difficult sometimes. Yeah. So you've got to keep them moving and... I think you have to explain things really well and yeah. you have to demonstrate things really well. And then if they understand it and they, they can see that they're getting better at it, then they enjoy it as well. Yeah. So I think it's like, you know, I've learned 
you know, you have to go right back now and I have to be more patient. I have to be, you know, I have to understand more with what the environment of the group I've got. But, you know, you can make it enjoyable by just doing different things and getting to know these kids and, you know, having a bit of a laugh with them. And, and as I said, more for me is, is getting to know them. And, you know, they come from all different backgrounds and they're just happy to be there because they're enjoying that environment. So if you can create that environment, but still getting the work done that you want to get done, yeah. you can have a little bit of fun. And, and look, even in a professional environment, Andrew, you know, you have to make it fun. Yeah. It can't all be, you know, no all work and no play and a little bit of fun and a joke and, a, you know, a barbecue here and, and, and a laugh and stuff like that. But then I think you get to a point as a coach and the younger coaches will get this, is that when you get to get down and knuckle down and do the work, the players switch on. Yeah. And I think if you've done that, you know, that little bit of due diligence along the way throughout your sessions, mm -hmm. you're going to get to that point and they go, okay, you know, Andrew wants me to do this and this and this and we can't make a mistake and we've got to do this and, and then we're done. Yeah. Then I think, you know, there's another win, a little win. You just keep yeah. having those little wins. Yeah. But these kids, you've got to, yeah, you've got to keep it interesting. Um, because, you know, they all stand around a group and you explain a drill and the car, there's a truck drives along the road or something, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah. You know, or they're talking while you're trying to explain something and just little things like that. But then it, if you keep it enjoyable and they understand the standards you want to keep, then once that work starts, as I said, then they buy into it. And most training sessions are enjoyable after that. Yeah. And you're right. Even, even <clears throat> I found with our senior boys, and even with the Super W stuff this year, we always had games, you know, um, like you said, groups of so many, build me a human pyramid, like all these types. Yeah, and, just and, and but you, it's good for your coaching, mate. You know, yeah, like because yeah. you enjoy it as well. Like, yeah, this can't all be like all the time because and, and I, I guess that's what sort of coach you are. You whether you yeah, you want to be like that and like and people. The, not the, always people are going to like you as a coach, but as yeah. long as they respect you. You know? Yeah, and I think too with some of those games, I know some of my boys go, oh, God, what's he got for us this week? <laughs> like, because you're just trying to mix it. Like, you're having fun, but you're mixing it up. But I, I'll change the rules halfway through a game of touch or, you know, yeah. like last week we played a game and it was just um, they had a soccer ball and they had to, like, netball pass it between each other for 10 passes. And I went, that team over there and that team over there, but there was no bibs or anything. And they go, who's on my team? And I went, I don't know. So they all just ended up just throwing the ball around, like, yeah. the, but they were running, they were laughing. They were, you know, like, what the, and one guy went, what? And then someone hit him, like, and all of a sudden it was just like this game had just evolved into. Yeah. But then, like you said, when it finished, it was like, now we're on. We we, we went and we trained. So. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. a progression. That's a, that's a great progression, you know, because. They've got their, you know, they, they've had diff, whatever's happened at school or whatever, you know, yeah. family or whatever. They get to training and they take their mind off it straight away. And then, then as you said, it's a great, it's a great way because you know you've got the group straight away then. Yeah. You know, it's, um, and that doesn't matter if you're coaching under 10s or 8s or whatever, right up to the professional level, you know. It's, it's just my, my, I used to like, well, when I was coaching professionally as well as, as non-professionally, it's just like, you did a video session and, and you'd always find the mood or find the environment you want to sort of deliver this. And then, you you know, you'd have a bit of a bloopers. So yeah. you'd pull out different stuff and the guys would have a laugh and 
but then you know once I had a laugh, they were like back into it, and so you sort of, I, I, I guess it's just understanding the group you're with, what you can do, what you can't do. You know, if you've got a group, you can still enjoy it, but you know they would need to work harder. Then you're gonna, you know, you're gonna work harder at different things, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. No, you're right, mate. That's yeah. So that's a good but idea. anything like that, you know, hand-eye coordination <coughs> stuff, a little bit of competition between the players. It's always they always want to compete. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So absolutely, it's, it's give them something to compete with each other about, and and different things like that. So. Yeah, as I said, mate, it's just getting to know your group and um, setting your standards and and knowing what you can do and what you can't do without sort of pushing the boat out too far, really. Yeah, yeah, no, and that's that's, that's the that's the battle and the beauty of coaching, isn't it? I know, right? I know, I know. And sometimes you just do stuff like in those games, and you go, "What's what? What do I want to achieve? I just want them to be laughing or smiles or yeah, you know." I, I, and the skills I'm not real worried about. I just want them to be moving and, and having a bit of fun with yeah. it. So yeah, and that's as I said, it's that's <clears throat> you know you understand you as a coach you understand your group so yeah. and understand what you need to do. But it's the same thing. Once you get better at coaching, you can do all that stuff. You can change a drill in between. No one's going to know the difference because you know what's yeah you know what yeah. you want to do, and as long as you get the message across, no one will know the difference. Yeah, uh, that's that's a good point, mate. Um, Really good, uh, mate. This has been absolutely awesome. Um, coach development. What what do you do, or what recommendations have you got around some coach development, especially for the younger or the inexperienced coaches? <clears throat> mate, I I started off, and this is what worked for me along the way. Was I, I always went and looked at other sports? Yep. Because it was back in the day when I. Well, had a real job in the sports medicine industry working for a big national company and I looked after I was the um, Queensland manager of a, a, a strapping company basically elastoplast and of course I was just starting the coaching then and I used to we looked after the Brisbane Lions and the, well the Bears back then and um, soccer and, and, and um, rugby league and a few other sports so I used to always make time and go and introduce myself because I was in the environment, but say, could I sit down and have a look at a training session and, you know, always wrote down some stuff. And I just think, yeah, just if you see something on YouTube or you're looking for something that you really want to try and uh, get better at, or you want to bring into training and, you know, just, just sit down and, and look at videos and, 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 you know, you can cut and paste yourself once you get better at it mm. and say, so this is going to work for me. And, Mate, many a times I've done that where I've had, you know, I've got a booklet of drills and, and videos and all that. And you just sit down and you, you think, well, this is what I want to achieve. These are my players. I want to try and put this ses session together. And as I said, you're in charge. You know what's going on. You know what you want out of the session. It's how you deliver it. Doesn't matter where it comes from. Yeah. You know? So that's what I found, mate. A lot of, um, and obviously doing your levels, going through levels and, like you said, getting to know people and talking to different people and jumping on webinars and, you know, you can never get enough information. Yeah. Uh, it's just how you deliver the information. So, and I still do it to, to you know, if I'm looking for something different and, and I, I want to try and go outside the square or what, I'll just sit down and get a few ideas and ring a couple of mates up and get them to send me some stuff or get on the phone, have a chat. 
Yeah. But when I was, as I said, when I was starting out, I used to always go and watch different sessions, different sports. When I worked up here at the NTIS, we had netball, we had um, hockey, we had cricket, you know, we had AFL. And I was always just picking those people's brains and going to watch sessions. And doesn't matter if you've got a hockey stick in your hand, some of the drills you can adapt into rugby, you know? Yeah. And it's like you were saying before, it's probably stuff that they wouldn't have seen, but, you know, it makes it enjoyable. It's something different, puts them in a different space. And it's not the same thing over and over and over. Yeah. You know, what I learned from AFL was, you know, a lot of work with tennis balls and, and smaller balls and soccer balls and different other things where, you know, you've got to adjust your hand movement and your feet movement to catch and pass a tennis ball or, you know, different other things like that and rugby league stuff and, you know, seven stuff that I picked up along the way. It's just, you know, if you're open to all that, I, I, it's not going to, it's never going to be a detriment to you. You're just going to learn different things and it gives you a, it gives you a different perspective, you know. Yeah, thinking outside the square a little bit whilst trying to just to achieve the basic stuff. Yeah, but just uh, ad lib where you can, and it just all goes back then to the guys enjoying it, picking it up, and, and as you said, like you know, you're having a tennis ball, grabbing a tennis ball, doing some passing. Well, it's going to adjust your hands in a game. You see people doing different things. It's like when I was in Spain, I I bought in a um, it, he was a, a top four um, judo. Uh, did judo for Spain and this is in the Basque country. So I bought this judo coach and he was, he was a fiance of the uh, physio. So I did these like three sessions and these guys, it's like I had a couple of English guys in the squad and a few Spanish guys and whatever. And they were like, this, what's this? This is useless. <laughs> so we did all the, you know, we did all the, the movements and the holes and the different other things. And I bought him in for like, as I said, three or four sessions because I could see what was happening and benefiting the, the players. Anyway, I think it was like about a month later, we're in a game, a couple of games, one game especially, and these, these three guys did these three exceptional things yeah. from, what, from what they learned. You know, so it was a memory and, and, and the practising of what they did. And, the, and I highlighted this, the video session, and they just all turned around and just, just said, yep. Okay. <laughs> so just different things like that, you know, whereas, yeah, as I said, a month later, here these guys are doing things that they learned. They didn't even know they were doing it. Yeah, they didn't even know they'd learned it. Yeah. So that's the sort of things that I sort of try to work on and, you know, you know look at a guy like Eddie Jones and he, he brings in rugby league coaches and he brings in mm. different people to do different things. So, you know, there's, 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 there's no reason why that you have to stick to the script. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's a good point. But then it's, I think you need to then get to the point in your coaching, then you're confident to be able to do that. Yeah, and sometimes Whereas sort of just... younger coaches might sort of like you were saying, like, oh, people might think I'm an idiot or whatever. But look, at the end of the day, I just think it's great. You know, someone knocking on your door saying, "I want to do this. Can I have a look at this? Can I, you know, do this?" Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, and I think too, like what he said, looking at other sports and even just some of the not even the drills that they use, but what equipment are they using? Yeah. Like I said, like tennis balls, different size balls. Um, yeah. Like I've always got a tennis racket, a bag full of tennis balls. I've got uh, like a size three rugby ball. I've got an AFL ball. And just yeah. every now and again, you just throw one out there and just yeah. get them. And they go, oh, what's this? Um, but they yeah. do, they, you're giving them things that they're not, you know, the end result is going to be, well, he was able to pick that ball up off the ground in a game or, 
yeah. things that they don't think about, but that's that's where those those different little micro skills and drills and different ideas come. You know, like I always like to go and watch AFL because they do the same thing over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. But what they're very good at is good is 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 movement in a in a in a closed space. Their reaction and 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 what they can do with a ball in their hands and avoiding evasion and all that sort of stuff and peripheral vision it's it's there's a lot of that stuff and and you know the 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 close quarter stuff to get the ball out of around a ruck area for example or you've got three blokes around you what options have you got and they always they work on a lot of that stuff yeah and you know we we can adjust that sort of stuff by just doing grid work and different things off cones and um yeah so it's 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 interesting just to just to wander down and have a look and see what you could take out of it. But you know, that's you want to want to you you want to have to do that. Not you want to have to not do that. You want to do it because, okay, let's go and have a look and see what I can. Yeah. See what you can do different. And it's like you said, you get to a session and you put out these cones and you do this and you might be doing a peripheral vision exercise or a four square, you know, passing a truck trailer but adding something different. And you know, it's just. Yeah, that's what I found worked for me, especially when I was a younger coach. Mm. But you know, you want to, you want to have, you want to want to do that, you know. Yeah, yeah. But um, I don't think we've, as a as a sport, we no one's really developed anything new in the last twenty years. It's all, mm. it's all just tweaked and and moved, and you know, like there's nothing outside it's the all, box. It's all it's, done. It's all done at a faster pace, you know, and. Yeah. Less error, less, you know, I watched mm-hmm. that Super Rugby final the other day. They, you know, they're, both those teams' breakdown work was was exceptional, mm. you know, and, and they were just clinical. Yeah. And it was pouring with rain. You wouldn't have known it was pouring with rain if they didn't say it, you know. So mm. those sorts of things, you know, they're just things that they practice and get better at and, you know, put expectations on themselves to, to, to make that effort and not make the mistakes and, work hard at training, you know? Yeah. And, and that so, comes from the players too, you know. The yeah. coach can give you the tools, but at the end of the day, the players want to be want to want to do that, especially ruck area uh, defense and stuff like that. You know, you want to get off the line and make your tackles. So, you know, has the coach got a role there? Yes, he has. Yeah. But you know, you've got to get to the point where the players want to do it, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, that that's great. Thanks, mate. Um, just one last question. So, if you could go back to when you that first season you started coaching, what advice what advice would you give yourself knowing what you know now? Um, that's a tough question, mate. <laughs> um, <coughs> I don't think I'd change too much of where I started off, and you know, because I was always wanting to learn and always wanting to develop myself and get better at different things. And I guess because, you know, I, I, I'm a pretty upfront sort of bloke. I don't have trouble going asking the question. And I think that's that's what I learned as a younger coach, that you've got to get past that fear of asking a question for exactly what you said before, where people think, oh, he's going he's gonna to think I'm an idiot. Yeah. But it, it's not. So I would tell myself, you know, I would do a couple of little things different, but that's sort of in, in, in different areas. But as a basic coach, I just, you know, you either roll your sleeves up and work hard and want to achieve your goals and set yourself goals of to where you want to be. Obviously, you've got to be realistic and 
you know, I think what I did was that I made a lot of sacrifices to get what I get where I've been and what I've done. And I think you've got to be prepared to make those. And but as I said, you know, like if you're not enjoying it, don't do it. Yeah. Because we want to coach, we want to coach kids to be better players. You know, yeah. we want to give them the best experience they've got to be well coached. So I think it's it, it's on us to be as prepared and 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 best we can each session we come. You know, so obviously it's it's horses for courses in different environments. You know, where yeah. if you're doing sort of under eights to under twelves, the kids want to get there and they want to enjoy it. They want to throw around a footy and learn a few little things. But as you progress up, then you've got to you know you've got to isolate different different things. But I think, mate, I would tell myself. Um, not, not too much different. I mean, I, I've been lucky, mm. but I've worked hard to what, where, as I said, I've worked hard to get what I've done, to, yeah. to do what I've done and get where I've been. And, um, but, you know, that, it's circumstances for everybody. It's different, you know. So if I was married with three or four kids, would I be able to do what I did? No, I wouldn't. Yeah. Because it's a different environment. But, you know, I still did it for the right, I still do it for the right reasons, you know, mm. and I think you've got to get up out of bed every day and you want to do it for the right reason. Yeah. And I think as we spoke about before, the ups definitely outweigh the downs. And I think you get to a point as a coach where, you know, you're going to have those ups and hopefully, as I said, there's more ups and downs and it's how you deal with the downs. And, um, but there's no better, no better uh, enjoyment from seeing kids smiling and laughing. And then, as you said before, developing those kids to be their best they can as, as people on and off the field, you know, that's, that's what I've always told players, you know, it's not about what you can, it's, it's a little bit about what you can do on the field, but it's more off the field. You know, you've got to be a good person. Yeah. You know, you've got to treat people with respect and, 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 you know, all that sort of stuff. So there's more, there's more to, making yourself a good player, but there's also the same thing as, as being a good coach, you know? Yeah. Mate, that, that's awesome. Thanks very much for that, Paul. Um, I've got a few pages of notes here, so I think the people listening will take some gold away from that. I um, hope so, mate. It's been really <laughs> enjoyable. You know, it's always great to get to a point in your coaching career where you can share some experiences and, you know, it doesn't matter. I'm still learning every day. I learn something different every day. And especially yeah. now I'm back coaching grassroots. I've really got to work hard on, on you know, on what I need to achieve and try and, um, you know, work with these kids. And it's definitely, definitely puts a smile on my face because I know I'm working hard. Yeah. 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 Work hard and get the good rewards from it. So that's Yeah. And that's, good. you know, yeah. it's like for you where you are. <clears throat> we can develop these kids and have some results. And it might be only people might think some of the things that we want to achieve and get results from is is, is a is a result. But it, until you're in it and where yeah. you've been and where you come from and you see those things happen, yeah, and it's it's definitely an achievement, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, it's been great, mate. So um, thanks very much for your time. Um, Pleasure, mate. Like I said, it was good to finally uh, get this get this organised. So. And I'm sure that the people listening will take a fair bit away from this. Wonderful, mate. Thanks right. very much. Thanks, mate. Cheers, buddy. That's a mighty shot. A mighty Mark Lester. A driven move off their own ball. That is monstrous. Yeah.
the fruits of them.